Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast, where we talk about anime and anime-adjacent topics. Uh, my name is Austin, I'm the host here, and I, for the record, do not think that Mochi is nasty. Mm. With me on this episode, I am joined by... Hello, it's Tori, and just like my good friend Tomiko, I like anything that is nice and sticky. <laughs> Ew. Uh, me too, I guess. <laughs> I mean, what do we have? We have stickers, we have mochi, we have those little stretchy hands out of the 25 cent machine. Yeah. We've got, the, we've got the guys those are with called the... gachapons. Yeah. yeah. We've got the guys with the sticky hands you throw on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. They stay up there for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, that's a story. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> but anyway. We could record a podcast on that. There, there's, there's another voice in here. Who is this? I, it is I, Andrew, and I, and the potential bride of a prince on a southern island. Oh, yeah. aren't, aren't, aren't we so, you know, uh, honored to be in the presence of at least potential royalty? You have no idea how high I can fly. Oh, no. <laughs> with, with your glorious feathers. Yes, yes. <laughs> gaze, gaze upon them, young lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and don't sneeze <laughs> on me because I'll love you. <laughs> so uh, all of these things if you think what in the world are we talking about these are all uh, references to the uh, anime series and film that we're going to be talking about on this episode Tomiko Market and its sequel Tomiko Love Story Yay. a 2013 anime from one of my favorite all time anime directors Naoko Yamada and from one of my favorite all time anime studios Kyoto Animation mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be talking about that, but uh, first, I guess we'll just catch up a little bit. Uh, Andrew, it's been forever since you've been on the show. How are you? Yeah, it has been forever since I've been on the show. Uh, the last episode I was on was, God, what, Anime and Review 2018? Yes, I believe so, and uh, I think that still stands as our second most popular episode under Castle of Cagliostro. Uh-huh. And it was like 24 hours long. Yeah, can't wait yeah, to 25, do it this year. Actually. God, yeah, but uh, yeah, Man. I've been since then. You know, I've finished an entire semester of school, and I'm uh, and one semester of summer school. So I'm 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 rearing to go, man. I'm uh, I'm finally back at home for a little bit, get a little respite before I have to go back up to Boone and brave the wilds of the mountain. Mm. <laughs> Grow that long beard, hunt bears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I, I can see the anime adaptation of you now. It's just like my college life with a bear as my professor, question mark. No, the anime adaptation of me now is just island time. Like it's constant shorts, no socks till October. It starts about April, and then it's just flip-flops all the time. <laughs> Laid-back Andrew Camp. Yeah, I live that life. <laughs> uh, well, Tori, you've been on a lot, as yeah. have I, but how are you? I'm good. <laughs> well said. <laughs> I'm under immense stress constantly every day, but I'm good. <laughs> okay. Well, then I'm certainly, I, 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 I venture to assume that you're probably very happy that we are talking about something like Tomiko Market as opposed to, oh, I don't know, Berserk. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I got to watch something soft. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, the show is very soft in many, many contexts. Yeah. And we're very excited to talk about it, but before that, if this is your first time listening to an episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast, 
Welcome. Thank you for being here. We really appreciate your listenership and for you to uh, shove our voices into your ears. We uh, certainly appreciate that. Uh, We are Third Impact Anime. We are a panelist and podcast group uh, that does panels and podcasts about anime and stuff. Uh, You can find out more about us over on our website, which is thirdimpactanime.com. And right at this very moment, we are doing a special giveaway courtesy of our friends at Lost Ark Video Games in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, They have given us four... Uh, import Japanese figures uh, that will be given away to four lucky listeners just like yourself, hopefully. Uh, They are figures of, um, oh gosh, what do we have? We have Ash and James from Pokemon. That's two separate figures. We have a Goku from Dragon Ball Super and a um, Ruler from Fate Apocrypha figure, and they're all super nice uh, figures and you can get one for your very own and get them out of my house and into yours uh, <laughs> for the price of uh, just a simple Facebook review or something something it's all detailed in the article on the website so again go to thirdimpactanime.com and you'll see the uh, featured articles section there will be one that has the Lost Ark video games logo on it if you click on that one you will see all of the details on how you can enter to win our giveaway and if you are a longtime listener of the show or a new time listener of the show uh, there are many ways that you can support the things that we do here uh, most notably just share our podcast with your friends let tell people about our show if you think that we do a decent job talking about these Japanese cartoons well then tell somebody about it we'd really appreciate it uh, you can also come and join our Facebook community which is facebook.com groups slash third impact anime community Um, And if you are feeling really generous, you can go over to our Patreon page. Yes, of course we have a Patreon. Everybody has one these days. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it's patreon.com slash thirdimpactanime. But if you forget all of what I've just said, just remember thirdimpactanime.com. That's where you can find all the information about us. Did I do that right, guys? Uh, Does that sound good? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I knew that anyway. I was just looking for some uh, some, uh, feedback. Wow. 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 It's very it's very important to ask for criticism even when you don't deserve any. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But Tori, mm-hmm. what uh what video game did you just start recently? I started the first Yakuza game and it is so fun. Oh my goodness. Like it I definitely stayed up until almost five AM yesterday playing it. Oh my gosh. Um, and I, I haven't done that for a long time. Like, I actually got my sleep schedule back on track for a little bit. but Until now. Until now. But oh <laughs> my god, this game is so fun. I think when you called me yesterday, I picked up the mm-hmm. phone and I was just like, hold on, I'm beating a man with a bite. Give me a second. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what you said. Oh my gosh. Oh, it's so much fun. And it's so... Mm-hmm. I just... Right away, I really like the main character... And um, I'm excited to get to a lot of the silly stuff, like the karaoke mini games and like going to mm-hmm. the host clubs and stuff like that. So it just it's a really interesting story so far. And I do have to say, though, the button mashing style of gameplay really is painful after a while. Like I was getting very bad wrist cramps, <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, I, don't, I don't care. It's very fun. <laughs> now, is that because of the button mashing mechanic or is that just because you were playing for six hours straight i mean it's a combo of both perhaps mm-hmm. how hard were you mashing the button 
<laughs> you know. <laughs> How much skin is left on your fingers? Yeah. I have, am I on trial here? Uh-huh. Yes. Let me okay. see your hands. Oh, no. <laughs> These calluses are from hard manual labor. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Beating men with bikes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, I have also started a very anime video game myself. I have finally, after all these years, started Near Automata. Yeah. Is that how you're supposed uh-huh. to say it? Yep. <laughs> Near Octagon. Listen, yeah. um, I have had to hear from my time at GameStop on the damn GameStop TV, Near Automata so much. And that is not mm. how you say that word. Mm-hmm. Near Automatopia. Exactly. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. But yeah, it's. I'm also having a lot of fun with it. Uh, it reminds me of a more polished gameplay style of like something like Kingdom Hearts, uh, where it's very hack and slash, but it has some RPG elements to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got this really. Um, not so vast that it's overwhelming, but still pretty vast, like open world exploration thing to do. Um, the setting is really neat. Uh, the uh, the initial premise is really cool. All of the robots are either terrifying or adorable or both at the same time. <laughs> and like um, the ca- like, um, I was under the impression that you just like from not from just you know cultural osmosis through Twitter and. Uh, social media and whatnot um i just thought you were playing as 2b like by herself the whole time but 9s is with you the whole time at least for now at least in the beginning of the next of the game and uh, i really like their back and forth they have a nice like chemistry together like 2b is very stoic very um straight to the point very like focused on the mission and 9s is a little bit more inquisitive and like he asks questions and he seems to have more of a more of a personality than than 2B sort of lets herself have or right. or even has. Yeah, judging um, judging this game off of what social media tells you about it, you're going in expecting a completely different thing. <laughs> yeah, the, so, the folks on social media definitely play up certain uh, assets of this game <laughs> that uh <laughs> that the game itself does I mean, they're definitely there, but like it doesn't really call attention to some of the more um well, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess fan servicey elements of the game, but yeah. um, like so far, it's it's really it's really smart. It's really fun. It's really unlike anything else that I've played really, and I, I'm just having a lot of fun with it. It just I never re- I never know what to expect. Like each individual scenario is always something new, and I'm only about maybe nine or ten hours into it, but it's really really enjoyable so far. It is very very anime and i mean that it is a compliment okay more or less <laughs> but anyway um unless you guys have anything else you'd like to talk about let's move into tamako all right let's, go. Mm-hmm. let's do it
So Tomiko Market was released in the winter season of 2013, a whole six years ago, if you can believe it. Uh, it was directed by Naoko Yamada, one of the youngest and most highly praised anime directors working today. Uh, this is one of her original works, and she also directed K-On!, A Silent Voice, and Liz and the Bluebird. Uh, series composition and script writing was handled by Reiko Yoshida, who has written for Yawamushi Petal, Free, Lou Over the Wall, Girls in Panzer, a ton of Digimon, A Silent <laughs> Voice, K-On!, and is actually the original creator of Tokyo Mew Mew. <gasps> yes! Mm-hmm. Uh, the character designs are, unsurprisingly, from the de facto KyoAni character designer for much of the 2000s and onward, Yukiko Horiguchi, who also designed for Kaon, Chunibyo, Lucky Star, and Kokoro Connect, uh, where she used her pen name Shiromizakana, Shiro that's one word, uh, that she uses for whenever she works on light novels. And she was also an animation director for Nichijo, Beyond the Boundary, and Free. So, Tori, could you give us the cast breakdown, please? Yes, so we have our lovely Tamako, and she's played by Ayo Suzaki, who you might know as Mako and Kill the Kill. Yeah. I can hear that now that you point that out. <laughs> um, she was also Minami in Idolmaster Cinderella Girls, and fun fact, which I made a note of this too, um, she actually sings the opening and endings, which are both absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, we have our main good boy, who was the love interest, Mochizo, and he is played by Atsushi Tamaru, and he was in Sword Art Online, Silver Spoon, Haikyuu, and Gundam Build Fighters. We have the other good boy, Dara, and he's played by <laughs> uh, Takumi Hamazaki. He was Isamu in Macross Plus, Ares in Saint Seiya, uh, Ferio in Magic Knight Ray Earth, and. Kaneth uh... Elmoy <laughs> Archibald. He was Archibald, Archibald in Fate Zero. <laughs> no, you gotta say the whole thing. Say the whole thing. <laughs> no. And then we have sweet little baby angel Anko who is played by Rina Hika Hidaka, sorry. Um, she was Urara in Food Wars, Silica in Sword Art Online. Oh, I didn't know this. And she was Kade in Tiger and Bunny. Oh, And it's sweet. on. Ugh. Yeah, gosh, Mom. So, Andrew, can you give us the breakdown of what Tamako Market's about? Sure. Uh, Tamako is the daughter of a mochi shop owner in the Usagiyama shopping arcade. So she and her friends, and uh, her and a few couple of her friends are the members of the Baton Club at their local high school. They uh, practice in the gymnasium for Baton Club and talk about various, you know, sort of nothing, slice of life things. They go to the, what was the coffee shop called? The... It is Star and Clown. The, st the Star and Clown <laughs> coffee shop with the sad record man, and they drink That's coffee. My, uh, that's my stage name, Star and Clown. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's lots and lots and lots and lots of mochi, and lots of mochi loving. Uh, and so one day, this talking bird from a southern island is all that is described, called Dara, appears and moves into Tamako's house. And Dara is... <laughs> Dara is this... <laughs> <laughs> sort of like masculine bird that talks and uh he's you know sort of a sort of pest at the beginning of the show but he, he gets better uh 
So the show follows Tomiko and her friends and the antics of Dara and his mysterious origins, all while balancing schoolwork and bathhouses. <laughs> That's essentially what the show's about. They do go to the bathhouse a lot. They do. Yeah. It, it makes me wonder, do they have a shower at their house? They do. Not. They, no, do. they do. They do? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think it's just because they're trying to support their local business. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. That's very kind of them. <laughs> yeah. You know, them them all living in the shopping arcade and, you know, everybody sort of being neighbors with each other. I, I guess supporting, supporting local business is the same as just, like, you know, giving your neighbor a high five in this mm-hmm. neighborhood. Yeah. And then, yeah. like, when Tamako cool. walks down the street to go to school or from school she's always getting like free stuff from the various shop That's owners true. so yeah. yeah absolutely pay it forward and whatnot yeah. so um really so you may be asking yourself austin why why did you want to talk about you know tomico market this uh somewhat obscure not as popular as other things like kyoani tv show from uh, 2013 that nobody really talks about um well uh part of the answer is that i just realized that in fact not a lot of people do talk about this show and um i have gained a huge appreciation and love for uh, kyoto animation in recent years with a seeing things like A Silent Voice come out, which is such a special film, something we all really like that Andrew really needs to see mm-hmm. now that it's on Netflix. Um, yep. <laughs> I own it. It's in my room. You can come watch it anytime. Okay. But, um, um, but yeah, and just seeing Naoka Yamada's name pop up more and more is sort of a, uh, a, uh, a figurehead of like this new wave of, uh, of anime directors that are very... Um, emotionally raw in their storytelling but are also incredible visual directors and can command uh, anime as a medium Uh, and I just really wanted to highlight this piece of her work that I feel is uh, somewhat underappreciated we'll kind of get into this but I I definitely don't think it's her strongest work um, mm-hmm. But I think it's it's a piece of her work that uh, deserves a little bit more recognition than what it gets. Mm-hmm. And I think, and Tori, you might be able to speak to this because you watched this as it was airing back in the day. I did, yeah. Um, but, um, and I'm a little biased I, I, because Kyoani mm-hmm. is what got me back into anime in general. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. And and, um, and you may be able to speak to this as well, but um, it, it seems like the reaction to the show back whenever it first came out was a little bit on the more condescending side because um, I don't really think people had really come around to things like this maybe whenever it came out in 2013 because uh, I, I went back very briefly and read some of the impressions on uh, my anime list mm-hmm. back from 2013 mm-hmm. and a lot of them were just like uh, if you like Moe this is the show for you and yeah. uh, and that seemed to be a very common I guess sort of critique of things back then, but I, I see that thrown around a lot less these days. It seems like uh, our our guttural reaction as fans to things that are cute, I guess, mm-hmm. has gotten a lot less visceral. It yeah. Seems. Um. So back when I was watching this, and back in kind of like my early days of um, kind of coming back around to watching anime, I wasn't very active in like 
talking to other people online about shows mm-hmm. unless they were like my immediate friends um so i didn't really participate in a lot of online like groups or anything so i wasn't really hearing anything like i i really don't even read like reviews anymore for anything so i kind of want to go into it without a um like a preconceived notion of something um yeah that's so, very understandable uh but I, I do agree with you. There's been that shift of, like, you know, people coming around to just realizing that they're allowed to enjoy things and they don't have to, like, completely trash everything. And at the mm-hmm. end of the day, you know, if you just want to sit down and watch a show that's soft and doesn't really have a lot of substance, that's okay. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. we don't have to constantly be watching Berserk over and over and over. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. It's, it's like not, not every series is going to be... Serial experiments lane exactly or, like it or paranoia things, agent and and you should just enjoy them right, for what they are exactly and I and I think there's a lot of um, heart in this show and uh, but yeah like you know we are coming out of that age of people like throwing around like moe is sort of an insult like you don't really like anime if you like mm-hmm. moe shows or oh that's just another like dumb cutesy show about nothing and i'm just like okay we are allowed to focus on character development and how people live everyday life it doesn't have to Mm -hmm. constantly be you know blood gore violence adult you know so yeah yeah it's whatever (laughs) i think that might be sort of a retainer from uh sort of perhaps like the early 2000s or the 1990s because a lot of stuff then like in all mediums was supposed to be sort of like edgier to appeal to that audience for some not not necessarily edgy but like there was definitely yes there was definitely a more sort of tonal shift in everything in Mm -hmm. in the 1990s and early 2000s to more adult and i'm looking at the winter 2013 season right now and Mm -hmm. nothing really stands out except encouragement of climb (laughs) (laughs) um but I think the uh, the grandfather of laid back camp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that joke that I kind of made earlier about like you know older shows being like oh can I fit you know boobs in this shot or can I fit somebody getting their head exploded very in a very detailed manner in this shot and like how can I amp the show up to eleven and push it as far as I can without it being you know too much and i understand you know there were shows earlier on that came before this that were soft and enjoyable and about character development but i think a lot of people were coming off that like anime is not kid stuff sort of thing and um around this time is when those moe shows really started to hit their peak so i i can see how a lot of people were frustrated with that maybe does that make sense Mm mm-hmm yeah. yeah. Yeah, to some some degree for sure. And I think a lot of uh a lot of people's sort of color of, of anime that they were expecting was more in the line of uh your elfin leads. Yes. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> but uh anyway, yeah, I mean there's there's been a, a variety of takes surrounding this this topic and I I don't really want to bring up this uh this old old dead horse, but yeah. like a lot of people sort of derided the whole moe phase as like the the being being a blight on the anime fandom. Oh and yeah, I, I, th- I think that is a very it's a very harsh critique of that, and I think that that moe in some ways is not is is not a good 
characterization of some shows that get put under that umbrella with exactly. Tomiko Market and uh, K-On sort of being yeah. being shows that are typically discussed when talking about moe but mm-hmm. don't really fit the mold of what a lot of I guess for lack of a better better way to say it like worse moe shows are Oh yeah absolutely um, <laughs> Where I, I don't really think it's fair necessarily to lump in shows like Tomiko Market and K-On uh, with that because mm-hmm. they are they are they are different. They are uh, made in a specific way that you know is certainly cute and soft, but right. it's also genuine. It has some mm-hmm. some uh, some realness to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, and it just sort of speaks to the the nature of you know hot takes being bad in general exactly right because <laughs> yeah, like, we can look back uh, at 2013 sort of in the lens of 2019 and yeah you know and we're we're seeing sort of we're seeing a lot more uh i think i think we're seeing more sort of character driven uh narratives like thrive and uh, yeah in this, in this day and age instead of you know sort of being uh discredited is mm-hmm. a, a lot of a lot of shows now too especially over the last couple of years are kind of merging back into that like semi-realistic art style like you would mm-hmm. see you know like i when i think of that i think of like cowboy bebop and like those kind of like uh sci-fi shows but there's so much coming out now that fits in that um sort of umbrella like uh megalobox and um dororo and stuff so it's it's not as much anymore but still you know yeah whether you like it's hard moe to put sh- anime in a box exactly and, and whether you like moe shows or not like you're still just as valid of an anime fan as somebody mm-hmm. who sits and watches i don't know uh, uh <laughs> i don't know berserk <laughs> uh-huh yeah keep mentioning berserk we're, gonna, we're gonna curse ourselves i know yep. we gotta do a berserk King. episode <laughs> i'll have fun but uh yeah. Well, after it. after we after we dredged dredged up that old corpse of uh, <laughs> d- defending Moe and tell, telling everyone they're wrong about it, yeah. or saying Moe is horrible and everyone's right, which uh, I mean, I might not be the best person to argue this because I'm like constantly into watching like cute, sugary, sweet kids shows, so I'm, mm. I might not be the best like you know dog in the fight for this. <laughs> no, no, and I hear you, and I, I think that you know. To some degree, and you know, this sort of being my my more um, hive mind sort of thinking process around it back then, it's like at that around that time as for me as an anime fan, like I I had this perception that my box of interest had to only include certain things, mm-hmm. and I think that you know whenever I watched K on for the first time. Um, I realized that I was allowed to like whatever show I liked yeah. mm-hmm. on its own terms and not necessarily on any terms that were artificially put on me. Exactly. Um, when I watched K-On! for the first time, I was just like, oh, God has blessed me. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that was maybe different in, in my situation because I was coming at it from the angle of like, Oh well, I am a boy, so clearly these shows are not made for me, which is oh, obviously a, a very juvenile <laughs> and kind of ironic way to think oh, about it. Oh my god! Yeah. But um, but yeah, this you know, and that comes back to Tomiko Market. It's just opening myself up 
to being like, I can watch whatever, like the sky's the limit and mm-hmm. I can have my cake and eat some pie and have a cherry on top as mm-hmm. well. And I don't really know where I'm going with that. We're right. not really talking about Tomago Market. We should probably talk about yeah, the show, we need actually. Yeah, we need to rope it back in. But, I mean, this is yeah. an important discussion sort of to the to the context, I think, of, of the show yeah. we are eventually going to discuss. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Because it did come out in that time where Moe was sort of being derided. And it was sort of on the tail end of that. Because mm-hmm. I, I would say that really started mm-hmm. with uh, maybe stuff like uh, Lucky Star. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which uh, that's its own conversation for another day, uh-huh. mm-hmm. um, but uh, but I guess that all sort of goes back to you know Kyo uh, excuse me Kyo Annie was sort of the prototypical Moe studio, um, but I would say that that has really changed since Tomiko Market. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that Tomiko Tomiko is a progenitor of that, but Naoka Yamada most certainly is, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was way ahead of her time uh, at her time, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, let's let's actually talk about this show and stop getting on these random soapboxes. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Tomiko locked so laid back camp could run. had seen Tomiko Market before, um, but rewatching it for this podcast, what did you think about it? Um, okay, so I, like we said before, I watched it when it was airing, and I really remember being super into it. I thought it was very fun and just very sweet, and then when I went back to watch it this time, like, I still thought that, but I was just like, oh my goodness, this show's a mess. (laughs) But, but, Elaborate, please. But, like, not in a bad way. There's just so many... I feel like when they made the show, they had a hat in which they had written on pieces of paper all of the ideas that you will normally see in a Kyoyani show, but usually more fleshed out. And they were like, okay, here's idea one, here's idea two, here's idea three, and none of them correlate with each other. But we're going to put them all in the show and just let it happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know if... I think that might be something I could forgive. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it, it really... The show doesn't really happen in sort of a short time frame. Exactly. It, uh, it, does, cover, it does cover the entire span of a year in 12 episodes. So right. That, and, like, you know, a year in, like, anime time you know, can be done in a time skip, but, like, this covers it in a more linear fashion. Mm -hmm. And Um, uh, I think sort of that idea that they did sort of jump around, and they did, uh, I think that that could be slightly forgiven that it does sort of... It does naturally and sort of, like... It it covers time in a way that shows typically don't. Yes. And it covers time in sort of, like, a, a slow fashion. And uh, you know that's that that's fine. I think that's something I can I can I can. Right. And I was thinking earlier. I was like, you know what? Had they taken the show? I guess it's because like now I know how to look at things a little more like um, critically. 
and not just take it at such a face value. But I think if they had taken the show and restructured it in more of, like, an episodic format, like, yes, they can still have the plot of, like, you know, Mochizo being in love with Tomiko, but he doesn't want to tell her. And then all of a sudden we have this talking bird, and everybody was just so weirdly cool with that. Like, nobody really questioned it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... And nobody, nobody questions when uh, Choi shows up later and is like, hello, I'm here for the prince. And they just all rolled with it. It was really cool. Yeah. Um, but I think if they had structured it in a little more like episodic way, um, watching it now, I think I would have enjoyed it and not felt so like pulled in so many different directions. Like fresh mochi <laughs> yeah yeah uh-huh. um, but i still listen i still really like the show like i don't want that to be you know me being like don't watch tomiko market because it's bad um because we do get a lot of goodness coming from the characters more so than the plot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think that's something that you see a lot in in a lot of kyoani things um like beyond the boundary is a show that i like but um it's got some major deficiencies that I have problems with. Um, and I think some of its deficiencies are kind of the same ones that Tomica Market has mm-hmm. um, in the sense that I really, really like the characters. I think they have wonderful writing, wonderful chemistry with each other. And the way that their relationships play out on the screen is the best part of the whole show. Yes. I could, I could really not give a crap about the whole like feud feuds of clans and like fighting monsters and all that junk and beyond the boundary i just want to see like the cute fun antics of mirai and uh uh what's his name aki aki Aki. just you know hanging out with each other and being awkward and being silly Mm -hmm. um and that's kind of how i feel about tamako market too like i don't like the whole like prince from the southern islands looking for a bride that was so weird point was it (laughs) Yeah, and it, it didn't really fit much into the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. I didn't hate it. I mean, it was kind of used as a vehicle to just get Dara there. And Dara, I found very, very irritating early on, but he does get much better. Some of his gags are really, really good. Mm-hmm. Some of his uh, perspective on situations as like the outsider who's this weird bird creature that can comment on their lives with uh, with with no repercussions, really. I, I like that aspect, but um, yeah, it's it's you you don't you don't come to either of these shows for strict narrative uh, or story based entertainment. You come to these for them. great character. You could say that a lot about about a lot of Kiyomi works. I mean, some are definitely mm-hmm. more stronger than others, and that's fine. It's like you know when you're a studio who's making so much it's like of course you know something is always going to be better than the other but um that's kind of what i come back to kill annie for and that's kind of what made me fall in love with them so much originally is mm-hmm. like i can forgive a messy narrative or a not so great narrative if you are giving me the majority of the work within your characters like mm-hmm. that that's right. fine i love that and that mm-hmm. and that's something that's always sort of interest me in, in in any narrative really is the, the I, I don't like um stories that are driven by plot because plot to me is boring in a box um but character driven narratives are always sort of gonna be like long standing like it, it you don't remember specific 
like plot details about laid-back camp because that's not important. Mm-hmm. Um, you remember character interactions and how their relationships grow because that's what's important. Because you can't project yourself onto a plot, Mm-mm. but you can tr- project yourself onto a character. And I yeah. think that the show really understands that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, that's something that Kayon really understands. And yes. uh, a lot of sort of this mold of slice of life show really understands and uh Mm -hmm. that is i think something that a lot of people can kind of miss on Mm -hmm. because if you focus on like killing the demon king more than you focus on (laughs) building a tuesday for me right (laughs) you focus on killing the demon king more than you focus on you know making a believable character then Mm -hmm. your your uh your story can fall short Right, and I think I think Kyoyani is really good at understanding and projecting the nuances of human emotion. <laughs> and mm-hmm. for somebody who is a very like feelings based type of person, just to see that in their work versus like like them saying, you know, human interaction is more important and how you treat people and how you interact with others is more important than being the hero because you defeated the Demon King on a Tuesday, which is my new light novel coming out next week. <laughs> I'll buy it. <laughs> Your title's not long enough. I know. Ugh, but, um, <laughs> and like you said, it's like, you know, I can watch these shows and um, something that stuck out to me, I know we're going to talk about the movie a little bit later, but like, um, uh, Tomiko, like, how don't I, uh, Oh, I wrote a note on it. Hold on. So because of, like, their discussion, Tomiko starts to, like, ignore Mochizo because they don't want to have that difficult discussion about him leaving. And I was like, oh, my God, we have all been there. Like, there have Mm -hmm. been times where instead of having a difficult conversation with a person, I just avoided them and, like, wanted wanted to pretend like it didn't happen. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that that is something that people can kind of take in and be like, yeah. That's that's normal. That happens to everybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I, I think a, a common complaint that's like levied at, at K-On, for example, is like, well, they don't play enough music. But I'm just like, really? The it's music not about is that. And if you want that, go watch Soundphonium, okay? <laughs> watch Soundphonium. Yeah, go watch Love Live. And what I see in uh, like Tomica Market and K-On is like building blocks to lead us to some of the more um both highly character driven and highly plot driven series that came later from KyoAni mm-hmm. which would be something like Sound Euphonium like A Silent Voice and like Violet Evergarden uh and I'd, I guess I'd throw free into that mix too because um of like the sports competition angle yeah. but um like those are series that I think build on the wonderful character direction that KyoAni can do and also blending it with great stories. Yes. Um, Tomiko Market, I don't think is that show. And you yeah. know what? That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think there's still a lot to like about Tomiko Market. You guys have sort of outlined. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is through the characters. Like, um, you can tell that Tomiko is... She's very naive. She's very kind. She's very, um, I guess... Well, I guess that's just a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. But she's never treated as 
as any of those things being a weakness. No, she never gets taken advantage of or mm-hmm. like, uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? She's not a human doormat, basically, just because she's kind and takes care of other people. Right. Right. But and she also has incredible initiative when she wants to get something done. She gets it done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's a very multifaceted character while also being sort of, you know, a young gal, you know, um, <laughs> who works at a mochi store and all this stuff and has no idea that the boy who has a crush on her has a crush on her. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mochizo, again, I I really like Mochizo because he's very um, he's a good blend of a character that is both, you know, not quite comfortable with his own feelings about certain things, but not so uncomfortable that he's like pathetic yes um, he's not he's, I, he's not the typical character of like oh woe is me i'm going to be alone forever because tamako will never notice me it's just like yeah he's, he's not just this forlorn whiner that just stays in his room and cries and like you know all that stuff because yeah, that it gets really old and it's very that's like not not the typical way that people do that like exactly and it's like telling somebody that you like them is a very normal thing to be anxious over mm-hmm. because you don't know yeah. how it's gonna go and especially i think there was some conversation in there that was like you know they had known each other so long so i think the the angle of like well if i tell tomiko she might not be my friend anymore and i think that's something that a lot of people have gone through <laughs> mm-hmm yeah, definitely. It's a very common human thing and mm-hmm. to see in relationships and to see it whenever it's done genuinely, like I like I definitely do think is in the case of um Tamako and Mochizo, is just very refreshing. It it um like I'll always bring it back to, you know, whenever I talk about anime romances, bring it back to Toradora, which is a uh. series that I find endlessly frustrating, way too long, and just I, I just don't, I don't, I'm not a fan of Toradora. If you're a fan, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I am not. I do not think that that is a great um, anime romance series. Uh, I agree. Um, in every, <laughs> in every facet. Right. <laughs> it's just, it's just very frustrating. But uh, Tamako Market is realistic. And while there are some frustrating elements, they are frustrating elements that you can really understand why these characters act the way that they do. Because they're very rooted in, uh in real life right. and what real people would do and, and what mm-hmm. and what your friends have probably done right. or you've probably done exactly. yourself right and there's no like no like traditional sort of like oh all of it was a big misunderstanding well there is a little oh, bit of please. that a little bit of that but it's not serious and like it's not that... even a, a misunderstanding wait are you talking about Atomico? Yeah. It's not even a misunderstanding. It's just literally that Tomiko and Mochizo have four brain cells collectively. <laughs> oh. And are just dumb. <laughs> right. Which, the, as as yeah. a as a former high schooler myself, I can attest to this being true. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> but I mean, there is a little like the whole the whole angle with uh like uh Chio is that her name? Chio. Choi. 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 Uh-huh. The whole like angle with Choi going there, and like th- like finding Tamako and being like, you have the scent. You know, and like, uh, you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh-huh. You have the scent, yeah. you have the scent of the prince. That whole thing, like that was a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. But like, like that is not. Important. You know what? That barely even registered me to me. Honestly, most of the subplot with the uh, 
the characters from the Southern Island uh, were just just totally went right over my head. I did not absorb it at all. It was completely forgettable. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I agree. Not to say that I didn't enjoy Choi as a character. Yeah, I thought she was fun. charming and and cute, and her her interactions with the the uh, shopping arcade people and the people at school I thought were funny. Yeah. Uh, you know, some fish out of water humor. Mm-hmm. She had her um, own little arc, and it was it was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. But her her plot reason for being there is oh, like, so, yeah, it's not. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say though that one of my favorite subplots, which I think is the most like heartfelt and excellent subplot of the whole show, is Tamako's uh sort of sub journey and trying to uh figure out what song she was thinking of from her childhood. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, just to give a little backstory, so Tamako and her sister Anko, which is another amazing character in the show, yeah. I really like Anko, um, they, um, their mother had passed away before the events of the show, many years before, I believe, um, and they're just living with their dad and their grandpa, and they are the mochi shop owners, and they all work out of their house making mochi, which are pounded rice cakes, if you didn't know. Uh, they're really good. Go to your local Asian market and pick up some. It's really yummy. <laughs> and then you'll <laughs> but, understand why Dara gained so much weight. Yes. Yeah, you'll totally get it because they're irresistible. They're so good. Um, but anyway, um, so t- Tamako has this song stuck in her head that she can't figure out what it is. And she keeps going to uh, the Super Clown coffee shop or whatever. What's it called again? It's called Star and Clown. Star and Clown, excuse mm-hmm. me. Um and she hums the song to the guy, the record store guy, and he's just like, mm, I don't know that one. Um, but then she, what? What is it? How does she find it? Does she find like a tape recording? Yeah. Uh huh. In her house. I think so. Uh huh. And then she listens to it and then realizes her dad was in a band whenever he was younger, and the song that she was thinking of was a song that he wrote for uh, her mom, his future wife. Uh, back whenever he was in his high school punk band. And it's a really good song. It's definitely going to show up in this episode. Mm -hmm. But uh, that was just such a sweet thing. Like, to take this very small moment in, like, the first or second episode where you, you, you get this small conversation of her trying to figure out you know, what song is stuck in her head, mm-hmm. and then it ends up being a song that was so important to her family, to her dad, to her mom mm-hmm. yes, because later on. Well, yeah. So heard... sweet. I'm just, like, how, like, as a writer, how do you think of these little moments? Like, that had to have been maybe something that the writer or the director had experienced something akin to, because you just, how, how do you make up that level of such genuine human feeling exactly and it's even better because her dad wrote that song for her mom when they had first seen each other as teenagers and he was like mm-hmm. gotta write the song for her and then mm-hmm. that's how they fell in love and that's very mm-hmm. sweet <laughs> it is sweet it's just unrelentingly sweet and i and enjoy that so much the the way she found out about it was like uh her dad like went off into a room by himself and like picked up his old guitar Mm-hmm. And like started started playing it and sang like the first couple notes of the song, and she she busted through the door and was like, <gasps> "That song." <laughs> That's right. That was it. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then yeah, they went to the uh, and then they went to the star and clown and, and um, he had a video. Yeah, he had a he had it on a uh, he had, he had a, a video tape. of her dad playing uh, with his band and I don't know if you guys caught it but 
Um, they had connected the VCR to Dara and yeah, he was they projecting did. it through his eyes. They did. Yeah. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also another weird thing that he can do for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, like what? <laughs> but yeah, that was absolutely like bar none like the best little subplot because it it, it had it had yes. enough time throughout the whole entire show and it was that sort of was actually, it was sprinkled in right that was the only one that had a concise beginning middle and perfectly wrapped up in the end yeah and mm-hmm. it was great yeah mm-hmm. definitely um and also just a little bit about the structure of the show so like andrew mentioned earlier it is a show that happens over the course of like a year maybe a little bit longer um and it starts off in wintertime. Like, episode one is a Christmas special. I wrote that down. Uh, and you see them sort of hit the major holidays. Um, like, uh, Christmas and uh, White Day and uh, Valentine's Day. And uh, these are probably out of order, Halloween. but you know what I mean. Like, Halloween, Halloween and stuff yeah. like that. Um, and, like, summer vacation and all this stuff. Um, and... And it's a, just a good way to um, come up with some interesting uh, gags and antics for these characters to go through yeah. in a way that doesn't seem like it's just a holiday special, the anime, yeah. which some which some like high school shows end up being that yes. like yes. they do that so much. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of the uh, a lot of the holiday sur- like holiday adjacent gags that they do are really clever, really well written um like the the uh the summer the summer break episode especially where they where tamako and her friends uh build a haunted house yes is yeah. such a wild ride of an episode mm-hmm. because like all the all of the people in the shopping arcade like they start to think that there's some sort of arcade cryptid around like yeah. that's a will-o'-wisp re- re- a will-o'-wisp yeah. that's right mm-hmm. yeah thinking there's like some a curse uh, upon the shopping arcade because right. of Tomiko's haunted house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and it was so silly and the payoff was like so lame but uh, amazing because uh, of it. Yeah. Well that's that's um, how real life is. Is like you get like yeah. so worked up and like anxious and upset about something and most of the time it is literally the most obvious answer that's right in front of you. And I feel so hypocritical right, for right. saying that. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's episodes like that. And it's episodes like the one where Tomiko tries to convince her dad to make a special Valentine's Day mochi. Yes. And just little, little interactions like that that are so mundane that the normal person when thinking about an anime would not even expect to see mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. things like that that make tomiko market worth watching yeah, yeah. um the... it's not the plot if you read a synopsis or listen to andrew give a synopsis that doesn't get you the whole picture no. it's it's really it's much more simple than that yeah. mm-hmm. the uh halloween episode though definitely was one of my favorites and mm-hmm. um solely on the fact of the little like cut-in scene of the really dramatic, like, dead businessman. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, Kyoani, why have you not made a horror anime? Like, this is actually kind of frightening for this Honestly, show. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, I love the gag where um, their teacher and his girlfriend or wife <laughs> yes! come through. In the haunted house. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. And, it's so good. And it was so funny because... <laughs> 
he's like, I'm not scared. And then Tamako pops up and she looks so precious. Like, how could you yeah. be scared of that? And she's mm-hmm. like, I curse you. And he just takes <laughs> off running. And meanwhile, his um, significant other, because I can't remember if it's his girlfriend or whatever, but like that. she mm-hmm. walks through and she's like, wow, this is all really well done. Good job, guys. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. so good. <laughs> And then they get outside, and they're like, and she's like, "Sorry, he's always like that." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's a, I think that's really interesting. And like, you you sort of go back to sort of like, uh, like slice of life shows being like, see, like holiday episodes, the anime, you know, like. Mm-hmm. But this is sort of like different because school is such a small part of this show because a lot of it is based around in the shopping arcade, mm-hmm. and that's different. Yes. So like. Mm-hmm. That's that's another thing that makes this show a little bit different is because it doesn't. I mean, they are, they are in high school, and high school's in it some, but a lot of it is based around sort of their antics and around the people of the shopping arcade. Mm-hmm. And I love which, how. T- oh, go ahead. Which creates this sort of like, I don't know, like, it it it's like it's less like about. It feels like a living, breathing world. Yes. Yes, and uh-huh. I was just about to say that I love how um, all of the people who own businesses in that shopping arcade, they're pretty much their own fleshed-out characters. Like, they all yeah. have a personality. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been a super cute idea had they done some, like, uh, spin-off shorts, more about the uh, business people, because, uh-huh. I mean, mm-hmm. that would be really fun. And, yeah, um, yeah they it, it feels very real and i'm jealous that i don't live in a place like that because mm-hmm. it seems like a lot of fun and i Such love a, how uh-huh. i love how they just always go with tamako's whims they don't even question her which is a little scary but like they're just <laughs> like all right tamako wants to do this i'm gonna get you 200 boxes for your haunted house like yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's sweet mm-hmm. yeah the way the, the all the community interaction is is, is very very supportive and very mm-hmm. very sort of integral in, in uh, sort of enjoying the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, even, and even the sort of cute setup of um, the fact that uh, Tamako's family and Mochizo's family are both mochi shop owners that mm-hmm. live directly across from each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fact that the two mochi children sort of have a crush on each other mm-hmm. uh, is just a a sweet subplot and the fact that their dads are always fighting but not in a not in like a bloody nose kind like, of way. I'm gonna burn down your mochi shop. No, it's not, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think it's also the ultimate power move on both of these families for one naming their son Mochizo and then the mm-hmm. other family naming their daughter Anko because that is red bean paste which is commonly a filling in mochi. <laughs> Yeah. So no Incredible. wonder she wants to be called on, but like bean paste also sometimes is referred to as on. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I guess let's talk about her for a second mm-hmm. because uh, she is a uh, you know as far as I can tell as far as I can think of whenever it comes to little sisters of the protagonist in anime, I can't think of many that really stand out except maybe Ui in Kaon. Mm-hmm. Hey, thank you for but, thank you for saying Ui. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's 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 fine, um, but, like, Anko gets her own little arc, mm-hmm. and it's very sweet. Um, she is very conflicted about being, uh, being so young, but also, like, on the cusp of, um... Middle school. Like, middle school. 
Um, and she's like trying to make herself uh, more mature, I guess, and like grown up. Yes. So of course she wants to be called An and not Anko. Like, don't call me that, Grandpa. <laughs> sort of edgy little kid. But Anko's um, cute. <laughs> and then uh, her her sweet um, moment with the little girl uh, that was having to get put on that uncomfortable dress for the uh, cultural parade. Because she had been there, too. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because she remembered that she was there, and she did that a couple of years before, and mm-hmm. she knew what made her feel more comfortable being in that position, and so she was able to help the little girl, and it was so sweet. Mm-hmm. She, um, Anko is actually my favorite character, which was a really weird realization for me this mm-hmm. time around. Because um, it's like, I don't know, normally... I guess it's because in a lot of series, the kids are usually very annoying. Like, Anka was mm-hmm. just bratty enough to be endearing and not annoying, mm-hmm. and that's a very fine <laughs> yeah. line to toe. But she she was just so cute, and her conflict, again, even as a kid, felt very real because just about mm-hmm. everybody has had an experience where somebody you're friends with, and in her case, she liked this little boy, but, like, you've had a friend that moved away i've been on the giving end of that and i've been on the receiving end of that and it really sucks mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah and i was i was about to say that as well like that whole episode with her uh dealing with um you know her friend moving away was so genuine and mm-hmm. so real mm-hmm. um and it was really moving um in such a sweet way and i think you know we keep going back to these you know sweet scenes that we like and uh and I think that really shows, again, just the overall strength of the show is that it's got some real, simple, mundane, everyday human emotions and portrays them really, really well. I guess we should probably talk about the movie. Uh, so, you know, I, I say that so ominously. I don't really mean to. But, uh, yes, let's talk about the movie. So, um, the movie, I like. I think it's a really good end cap for the show. It's a really good end cap for Tamako and Mochizo in particular. Um, it sort of gets rid of all the pretext of plot of uh prince looking for a bride and a weird bird is Uh there it gets rid of all of that and just focuses on mochizo's desire and also aversion to want to confess to tamako before he moves away to tokyo for high school Uh, very simple premise for college was it college Mm -hmm. are you sure yeah are they that old are they really that old at this point yeah because he well because the thing is is like I feel like in most Japanese schools, they start looking at college around, like, 11th grade because they have all those crazy applications and stuff to fill out. I mean, if I'm wrong Mm -hmm. on that, somebody please Mm -hmm. correct me. They were, they were, in that, in the movie, they were in their senior year of high school. Okay. That is right. You're right. I skimmed. Oh, that's it, right. Because so. <laughs> because Kana, bless her, one of uh, Tamako's friends, she does that whole bit where she like 
slides in our on her socks oh in the my gym. goodness yes. Really yes and she was and like, she's like i have the... this thing that i want to do <laughs> what <laughs> is up friends and everyone's like yes captain it's like not the captain <laughs> i love her she's so good <laughs> oh yeah my favorite character by far mm-hmm. yeah tamako's friends are very good but uh unfortunately they just don't get much screen time mm-hmm. no and i i didn't um, get to talk about that that point that uh with me, Dory, I think her name is. Oh, yeah, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead, um, bring it to, up. Uh, well, to backtrack a little bit, there was, to, to go back into the, you know, there's a lot of subplots that don't go anywhere, and this could be me doing one of two things, which is reading way too hard into things, which I say this all the time on these episodes, or me uh, just grasping for whatever I can get. But um, there's one episode where Midori, she walks up on uh, Mochizo getting advice from Dara, which is really awful, um, about how to confess to Tamako, and he's like, oh, you, you should just sneeze on her. You have yeah. to put your feathers up just like this, and he's like, I'm not doing that, that's stupid. <laughs> um, and she's like, what are you doing? And she kind of puts two and two together, and then they have this kind of like little fight of who knows the most about Tamako to prove who cares and loves Tamako the most. And Dara's like, oh, you both have the same scent. Um, which, putting two and two together, obviously Mochizo is in love with Tamako, so if they both had the same scent, that could only mean that Midori is also possibly in love with Tamako romantically. And it, it just really comes across that way. And that never really went anywhere and she kind of just basically gave up and left it to Mochizo and this whole like I know more about her so therefore I love her more is kind of a really bad and unhealthy way to look at it <laughs> like um but I guess they are high school kids so it's whatever mm-hmm. but um yeah that that didn't go anywhere and I was really kind of sad about that because I don't I don't think that was something that I picked up on the first time around watching it, and they just act like nothing happened. And um, there was a scene in the movie, um, which would have made no sense had you not caught that little bit of dialogue, where she gets just like really pissy with Mochizo, and basically bullies him into confessing to Tomiko, but it just seems like she's mad at him for no reason, and I kind of really wish that that plot point had gone somewhere. I mean, it didn't have to be super serious, mm-hmm. but... Just give me something. <laughs> yeah, her 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 level of um I guess anger at Mochizo did strike me as a little strange. Um and the way I interpreted it was that she was just doing that weird high schooler thing of being like, uh, well you're not possibly good enough for my friend. Plus I wouldn't let her have a boyfriend anyway because I don't want to lose my friend because mm-hmm. I'm angsty high school girl. Yeah. Um <laughs> But, um, I mean, that, that romantic subtext, I mean, you could, you could definitely argue that it's, that you could see it there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I, I don't, I don't think you're totally making it something right. up. Right. And right. I think okay, there good. was like some kind of, yeah. And I think there was some kind of like passing comment at some point that said she had like turned down a few guys or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, once again, that's not proving anything, but yeah. like it's definitely adding to that perhaps it's being a subtext. <laughs> yeah, it's context clues. Yeah, for it sure. might be a su- but like it could that could also be like a thing like I, that 
I mean, it could be argued both ways, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's just, I just one think of it's the, major. Yeah. It's major thing that it, it goes nowhere exactly, either direction. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and I think like, that they did that yeah. on purpose. Probably. So going back to talk to them about the movie a little bit more specifically, it's um. A lot of people would put it on a much higher pedestal um, than the series itself. Um, and I think maybe as a singular work, if you're evaluating them as two individual things, like I definitely do think that the movie is a little bit more solid as a piece of work. Mm-hmm. Um, like the series sort of, you know, it wavers in quality. It's got some plot threads that go places and then don't go places. And then the ending is a little bit not bad but a little lackluster um but the movie is a i think a really good piece from start to finish and it's got some great animation flourishes some wonderful direction and and things like that so it's really an excellent film so if you were to evaluate them both as two separate things i'd be like movie very good series good um, because I was bad and only had time to really skim the movie just because of so much going on here lately. Do you think this movie could be watched without watching the TV series? No. No? No, uh, I don't think so, uh, because you See, have to... I, I, would, I would say maybe, but Andrew, continue. I think it's so tough to... Alright, so it, it, it's so hard to compress a bunch of character mm-hmm. into a short space especially like a film so having 12 episodes of tv to learn the characters mm-hmm. that crescendo to an ending which is not the ending of this show it is the film uh i think is super important uh especially when it comes to very character driven very sort of thought-provoking and very like heartfelt stories like this one mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm. now i watch a lot of slice of life so i think i might be able to talk on this a little bit <laughs> so you can't i don't think you can evaluate the show without seeing the film because to me it's it, it's just an extension of of everything else yeah i so, i figured that that would be the answer mm-hmm so I don't think that you could. I don't think you could watch the movie without seeing the show. I, I have no doubt that you could probably enjoy it, but will mm-hmm. it have? A, will it have a? You know, will it have the full effect? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, and that's what I would amend to say whenever I said maybe is that yeah, you could probably watch the movie standalone and enjoy it um, for its uh, production values and its flourishes oh, yeah. and those little moments of uh, of uh, sort of relationship sweetness that you can get something out of with no prior knowledge but you're going to get a much more rich and rewarding experience have you are had you already seen the series right. absolutely um yeah 100 percent. i i would say it's probably also true for like liz and the bluebird and yes. uh sound euphonium <laughs> absolutely uh, because I'll, yes because i'll say yeah because tori you enjoyed liz and the bluebird way more than i did and i think that's probably just because you had much more familiarity with sound euphonium um like i i thought liz and the bluebird was really good mm-hmm. but it didn't really quite hit me as hard as i think some other people who Meanwhile, are big ufo fans I'm sitting over there going eh, the entire time <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So, I mean, that makes me really excited whenever I do finally revisit UFO Please. at some point. I And rewatching Liz and the Bluebird, because I did buy it. I own it. It's on my shelf. Um, 
yeah, I'm excited to revisit that uh, in time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, Andrew, I largely agree with you um, for sure that it's it's a much more rewarding experience to yeah. uh, mm-hmm. to watch the film afterwards. And I would say it lifts all ships. Like, by association, the film makes the series better. Um, you know, we were just coming off of talking about Advent Children, and we were thinking, well, does the existence of Advent Children make FF7 better? Um to which we all kind of said, not really, because FF7 is so self-contained. But because Tomiko, the series sort of ends and you feel a little bit lacking, the movie picks that up and runs with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of the sort of thoughts around, uh, you know, anime films sort of being what they are. Mm-hmm. And um, how a lot of them are just sort of like, Especially when it comes to long series like Dragon Ball Z or My Hero Academia, a lot of like their films are glorified, glorified filler episodes. But mm-hmm. when it comes to like films like End of Evangelion, you know that is a sort of direct extension of the story, mm-hmm. and sort of is required reading if you want to. Mm-hmm get the full impact of the story, full third impact of the story. Um, <laughs> and this is not like End of Ava- Evangelion at all. But Yes, it is. What are you talking about? You know, you gotta you gotta watch the series and you gotta watch the film to get the full, you know, experience of the series. And that happens with a lot of things. And I think you can definitely tell that there's a lot of Naoko Yamada more in the movie than there is in the show. Because uh, I feel like, you know... Uh, they just kind of let her run wild with her experimental style. Yes. Like I, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> there's and a lot know, of uh, experimentation in uh, in Tomiko Love Story that wasn't necessarily in the show. Oh, yeah, I think Naoko Yamada is one of the best directors working in the business. Certainly, one of the greatest youngest people in anime ever, mm-hmm. like bar none. Mm-hmm. And she's she's one of my favorite directors of all time uh i think that everything that she makes just she just gets better and better mm. um like i mean, I, mean like, I wouldn't call like i wouldn't call tamako a, a uh i wouldn't call it a super strong work but mm-hmm. it lays a lot of foundation for a lot of stuff that's to come yeah i think if yeah. you want a good idea of how she writes characters and stuff and you don't want to be as um, kind of whisked away by the plot, say, for something like uh, A Silent Voice or Liz and the Bluebird, because those are two movies that are more like you really kind of need to focus on what's going on, but there's also, you know, great character writing in those movies. But if you don't want to have to use your brain so much and just want to see kind of like what makes her <laughs> so great, go watch Tomiko. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I will say the exact same advice that I use um, for this because typically I'll say like if you enjoyed um, Kill a Kill you should go back and watch Gurren Lagann then you should go back and watch Evangelion and go back and watch Gunbuster so I'll say that in the same vein if you really enjoyed A Silent Voice you should go back and watch Tomiko Love Story Tomiko Market K-On! And everything else that Naoko Yamada has worked on, just to see her directorial process evolve over time. And I think Tomiko Market is just a an example of many um, 
stepping stones that she used to get to the position she's in today. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that Tomiko Market is only a piece that can be enjoyed as like as part of a larger whole, because I think it does in a lot of ways stand on its own. Yes. But I would say that if you are a fan of the Naoko Yamada way, please don't just ignore Tomiko Market and think, oh, that was that kind of meh thing that she did because it's not the case Mm -hmm. it's it's definitely above meh yeah did we talk about the movie enough because i feel like we did not (laughs) i mean there's not a whole lot to talk about i mean it's really like just the culmination and the finale of tamako and mochizo's uh you know romantic feelings for each other but if you want to expand more on it i mean go ahead i mean andrew you just watched it so do you have any other takes that we didn't cover i mean it's all in the title you know, it's <laughs> once again, it's That's not so true. You know, it's it, it's one of those things that is like, yes, you should absolutely watch it, mm-hmm. but you you know, I can't sit here and explain to you all the story beats because that's going to sound boring. Exactly. So <laughs> it, it's sort of tough to approach something like Tamako Market and try and give you a plot synopsis because that's not important. Mm-hmm. Um. So the only real way to do it is to, you know, understand the characters and understand their relationships, and then mm-hmm. then you'll get, then you'll get the culmination of the story, which is, you know, I love you, and you know that that's sort of a, uh, it's not a, uh, it, it's definitely a plot for Mochizo in the show, mm-hmm. but in the film that becomes more of a plot for for Tamako, even though Mochizo is kind of I would call him the the main character of Tamako love story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, sure, for sure. He's mm-hmm. it's really from his perspective. Yes. Mm-hmm. So when I was skimming through, because I, I had it pulled up and I kept hitting the like fast forward ten seconds, ten seconds, ten seconds, and it must have been <laughs> fate because I stopped at just the right time, and it was when I really need to go back and watch this because this got me really bad. But when uh, he throws the um, string phone to her. And which Mm -hmm. it was really cute that they brought that back. Mm -hmm. And uh, because that was, you know, their whole direct line of communication. Um, And he tells her that he's leaving and Tamako gets really upset. And she's like, we've spent our whole lives together. Why are you leaving me? And I was like, "Mm, why? (laughs) Um, But then it ended on a happy note. So I was okay. But emotionally, that hurt me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, Andrew, I'll put you on the spot. You know, you talk, you've been talking a pretty hard game, you know, in favor of Tomiko Market here. But as I recall, it uh, it took a little bit of teeth pulling for you to actually get through this show. I had to bother you about yeah. it on quite a number of occasions. Uh-huh. So tell me, what was it that changed your mind and turned you around on this show? Okay. Tomiko in the early in the early goings is immensely boring. Uh, it... it once again, you know, and this is sort of something that I, I mean, I typically don't have trouble getting through um, shows that that follow this blueprint. I, I really don't because this is sort of my bread and butter thing. And I was like, why can I not just sit down and watch the show? You know, and then I would go back and then I would watch like a few episodes and I'd be like, I just can't do it. I don't know what it is. But I think it was just because it, initially, I guess it it must have been because when I first tried to watch it that I just was not in the mood 
to watch this kind of show. That's the only way I could think of it because, you know, coming back now, you know, and f having finished it and watched it again, you know, I I see, and having given it another try, I've, I've sort of, you know, seen the light. And I guess that was just because, I, I guess it was just because that in the moment of time, specifically when I started watching the show the first time, I found it boring and hard to get through. Even though, as me, and as this is the type of show that I, you know, love a lot, you know, it, that's the only thing I can chalk it up to, is that I just was not in the mood for it at the time, which is kind of dumb. I know, it's kind of <laughs> stupid. But, yeah. like, now coming back, you know, that doesn't matter. I mean, I like the show, it's great. Cool. But are we going to talk about something cool, cool. bad? <laughs> We only talk about bad things here on the Third Impact Anime Podcast. Mm -hmm. So we do have one question from our good friend Basil over the Awesome Cast. Hi, Basil. Love you. Can't wait to see you in Alabama. Mm -hmm. um, so Basil asks, uh, I always likened K-On to the puppy bowl. The kids are very cute and endearing, but take them out of their bowl and they would be destroyed by the real world. Like, immediately. So, from Puppy Bowl to Free to Full Metal Panic, how Kyoani are these shows? I think he says these shows, but he just means Tomiko Market okay. and the film, I guess. Okay. Um, I don't know, man. Why you gotta take the puppies out of the bowl? You know, just leave them in the bowl, Leave them you know? where they belong. I, yeah, yeah, I that's mean, where puppies belong. I but... would probably put this on par with Free, because there's a lot of comedy... But there's also a lot of melodrama, but like, not in a bad way. Mm -hmm. Like, there's there's no there's no super high stakes, I guess, other than like my crush is moving to Tokyo for college. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think Tomiko Market, weirdly enough, in all of its fantastical elements, is a little more grounded than Kaon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because Kaon exists in this very like high school like glitzy idealistic um uh sort of world uh and and the girls with the exception of like playing their shows and going to london sort of they don't really deal with anything big in the outside world that they have to face um at least not really but tomiko market deals with some pretty deep emotional truths such as you know dealing with a deceased parent, uh, dealing with a father who um, is trying to raise two girls by himself while being a small business owner. Like, mm -hmm. that's some pretty serious stuff, mm -hmm. you know? The reality of friends growing apart and moving away, mm -hmm. or the reality of friends becoming, you know, significant others, things mm -hmm. like that. So I think Tomiko, even though it does have a weird talking bird, <laughs> it's... It's more grounded in a lot of ways than Kaon, mm -hmm. so I I feel like if we were to uh, take the Tomiko puppies out of the bowl, they would uh, they would hold up in the real world a little bit better than the Kaon puppies. Definitely, yes. I love Kaon. Uh -huh. yeah. Just throwing that out, mm -hmm. but they're very they're different shows. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah, I think if uh, you know you take any of these characters out of the puppy bowl, they would be just fine. Uh, and yeah, but if you take Yuri Yui Hirasawa out of the puppy bowl, she's probably not going to be great. Uh, but if you take Ui Hirasawa out of the puppy bowl, she'll be fine. And yes. if you take like Azusa, because yeah, I yes. mean, it's, you can never like, you can never like once again like shoehorn 
sort of this idea that, oh, just because they're in a Moe soft show, they can't make it real hard world. <laughs> no, you can't. I don't think you could. I don't think you could really do that because that's that have comes you, on a case by case basis. Have you seen all those GTA mods where they give Mio a gun? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, are you kidding me? Yeah, <laughs> that'll be fun. Yeah, I, was, I, yeah uh, I think that the only the only Kaon characters that would survive in the world in in the real world in the wild, excuse me, would be uh, Miss Yamanaka, Azusa, and Ui. Yeah, yep. maybe Mugi because she has so much money. That yeah, she needs fine. not to know of the real world. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, she'll she's be fine. Ge- and she's getting that that sweet sweet McDonald's money mm-hmm. from her part time job. Yeah, yeah. And she's got pickle eyebrows. Yeah, what else do you need? Mm-hmm. What else do you need? So uh, I think we've come to the end of the episode. But before we close, we do have the one question that we always try and ask at the end of every episode. What do you think was the most iconic scene from the show, Andrew? You go first. I think, uh, non-jokingly, uh, it'd be like uh, Tomiko catching the cup at the end, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. because that sort of is a, you know, culmination of everything that that movie is about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not- good visual storytelling too, because so often the cup just hits her in the head. Yes, absolutely. It's parallelism, yes. and it's great. And yes. Uh, non-seriously, it's uh, it's it would be Kana sliding around on her on her uh, tights. I love that. That's so good. Yes, Tori. Um, I really like the scene where um, it is Tomiko's three friends, um, the schoolgirls, and they're talking uh, outside at night, and they look up and like the. The sky is really starry, and you can see, like, the Milky Way, and that's just so pretty, and... Are we doing, like, one from the show and then one from the movie, or just in general? Yeah, sure, why not? Okay, because yeah. it... And um, they're talking about, like, you know, what's going to happen after they lose their friend, and um, it's just, like, a really, like, important conversation in this really beautiful backdrop, and I liked that. That was nice. And then mm-hmm. um, in the movie, it, it has to be that scene where... I talked about earlier where Tomiko's like, we've been together forever. Why are you leaving me? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think for me, um, we kind of already mentioned it already, but I just, I know that whenever I'm sitting down and thinking about Tomiko market at any random time within the next five, 10, 20 years or whatever, I will just remember that moment where Tomiko's, bright smiling face pops up and says i will curse you mm-hmm. yeah. that's so good <laughs> with like the little spooky uh triangle thing on her head uh-huh. and um blood coming out of called. her mouth forgive me and blood coming out of yeah. her mouth and she's just like i'll curse you yeah. there is a name for that thing but it is used when people are actually buried so Mm-hmm. Right. I, I knew that there was some cultural significance to it but i am blind to it because i didn't do my research <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining me to talk about this show. And I hope you guys listening at home enjoyed it. And I hope you'll go and watch it. Um, It is now available on High Dive. It's also on Verve. Just look up Tomiko Market. You can also buy it from Sentai Filmworks. They typically have very good sales going on on their website. They've got their summer sale going on right now. 
I'm not sure exactly how long it will be it will be going on for. Hopefully, by the time this podcast is uploaded, the summer sale will still be going on, and you can buy the movie and the show from them. This is not sponsored by Sentai Filmworks in any way, but hey, if they're listening, we're interested. Um, but uh, yeah, check out this show. Uh, it's pretty cute. It's worth your time. Um, if you're a big KyoAni fan, definitely don't forget to check this box. And, uh, yeah, thank you, Tori, for joining me. Thank you, Andrew. No problem. Yeah, and, uh, again, this is the Third Impact Anime Podcast. You can find all the information you could ever want to know about us over on our website, thirdimpactanime.com. Please follow us on Twitter, and that's twitter.com slash ti underscore anime. You can see all the many things that we're up to. Uh, including our giveaway that is still going on that you can take advantage of that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. Again, you can find out more information about that on our website. And, Tori, where can people talk to you about how delicious mochi is? (laughs) Um, You can find me on Twitter at WorstWaifu. Andrew, where can people sneeze on you to gain your affection? Uh, You can find me on on Twitter at Toaster underscore Mike. That's my spot. And for me, you can pound me into a rice cake over on Twitter at twitter.com slash bebopshock. That's bebop as in cowboy bebop and shock as in bioshock. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you in the next one.